This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 454 of the Stable Scoop Show. Please support our sponsors as they make this show possible. Our sponsors this week are Horselovers.com and the Fairfield Inn in Lexington, Kentucky. Gail Stewart stops by in Horses in History with the story of Paul Revere's horse. Jamie Evans, I miss on the top 10 for keeping the right gait. And Auditor Claire reviews the Horsewear H2O jacket. Listen in. Welcome to the Stable Scoop, with weekly shows delivered right to you. With Helena and Glenn the Geek, live from the stable, it's every week. They bring you the news through hell or high water, while using their tails as their own fly swatters. Sit on down and laugh till your poop calls. It's time again for Stable Scoop. Stable Scoop. Stable Scoop. Stable Scoop. This is Glenn the Geek. And this is Alina V. And you're listening to the Stable Scoop Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network. Glenn, we need to get our act together for this episode. You know what I'm going to say is every week for the last nine years, <laughs> I have had the job of doing the opening description of the show. And it takes me 12 takes. So today I finally said to Helena, you just, why don't you do it? And it took her one take and it was perfect. <laughs> Pisses me off. He called me a jerk. I did I because it just me drives me crazy that I can't read two sentences. <laughs> well, Buck and I were trying to record. Jeez. We were recording that Newport show yesterday. And I said, do you want to take a shot at the episode intro? You know? And he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so <laughs> we did it like 27 times. And finally he was like, you do it. I can't. He got all mad. <laughs> I think some people can read better than others. And apparently Buck and I can't read. So. You, you do. You have to be able to multitask. <laughs> Not so good mentally. at that. You Not know, re- doing really bad ads on Fridays is a. Ch- I have to concentrate really hard for that. Because, you know, my mind wanders. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I really have to think hard about that. All right, we're going to get right wanders. into the show because Helena has got some exciting stuff going on. We'll talk about that later. But I, you know, um, I did want to mention that on all of the feeds for the Horse Radio Network shows, and you probably saw it uh, if on the Stable Scoop feed, we did a special episode all about the Horse Radio Network Horse Lovers Cruise 2018. So if you missed that, if you're interested in joining us at all, we actually booked 10 cabins the first day. So the travel agent was very excited. She said, that's very good for a first day. Uh, and I think we'll book, uh, we'll book 20, 30 more. I've had lots of people interested in, in writing to me and saying they're looking at going and they're trying to partner up with people. But if you're interested in joining a whole bunch of other horse people on a cruise in February of next year, and uh, you know Jennifer and I will be there, Mary Kitzmiller's going, and, and uh, a bunch of others, then you can check it out at horseloverscruise.com or just take a listen. The best thing to do is take a listen to the episode that's on the Stable Scoop feed right before this one and you'll hear all about it we had the travel agent on we had a fascinating conversation with the people who run the boarding stables in nassau 
and, and uh, who do the trail rides on the beach there. What a fascinating lady. And, and we asked her how much she pays for hay. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. But, I know. They should start feeding the horses seaweed. Uh, well, and, you know, these horses are well fed. I, I saw a lot of pictures from people who did the rides, and these are fat, happy horses, not like you see in some of the places. I don't know where they're eating. I don't know where they're getting their hay from, but wherever, they whatever they're spending, it's They ship it over in containers it. from Florida on okay. ships. <laughs> so, okay. It's $40 a bale. Holy to, cow. To get to them. Yep. <laughs> And these are fat, happy horses, and they got nothing else to eat over there. Apparently, the, the well, grass. you know what, the living is not that hard. <laughs> <laughs> so not, these, these, I've and, been to the Bahamas. <laughs> I'd and, be fat and shiny too. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, she said it's gotten easier to buy tack and stuff because they can get that ship, you know, Federal Express or UPS or whatever. But oh, pretty soon, Amazon will be dropping it in drones. There you go, right there on her stables in the Nassau, the Bahamas. So yeah, so that's uh, check that out. All the details are there. We we hope that you can join us. We're going to hear a little bit, though, right now about our meetups that we're doing at Rolex next week. Yes, Rolex is next week. And we're doing three different meetups at Rolex for listeners. So take a listen to this. The Rolex three-day event is right around the corner, and for the ninth year, the Horse Radio Network will once again be providing coverage from Rolex. Thanks to our sponsors, Weatherbeta and AccuSuite. We will be bringing you two special episodes of Horses in the Morning from Rolex with the whole crew on hand. Jamie, Jen, and I will be there. I know, it's a tough assignment. We will put together a show on Friday and Sunday morning on the Horses in the Morning feed. Also, we are having a couple of listener meetups one Friday night night at the Grey Goose in Midway, a few exits from the horse park at 7.30. Cross Country Day, we will meet a half an hour before the start of Cross Country at jump number one. That's become tradition. And then at 2 p.m. at the Horse Nation or Eventing Nation tailgate for trivia and prizes. We will announce that on Facebook before the event. We don't know where they'll be. Follow all the details by searching Facebook for HRN at Rolex and you'll find our event page. Weatherbeat's spring turnout blanket collection features the latest in their Comfortech range. Not sure which turnout fits your horse's needs? Check out Weatherbeat's blanket ID tool at weatherbeat.com. Also find Weatherbeat products at Rolex at Bit of Britain, Horse Lovers, and One Stop Equine Shop. Does your horse have tight, sore muscles? Does he take a long time to loosen up in a ride? Is your horse in pain and recovering from competition or injury? Use AccuHorse Mat and see the results in as little as 15 minutes. Find AccuSuite and the AccuHorse Mat at booth 218 in the Rolex Trade Fair on the upper level next to the concessions. And one of our most popular segments on the Stable Scoop Show is Horses in History with Gail Stewart. Gail joins us again this month to talk about one of my favorite stories, actually, uh, Paul Revere's ride. We're going to talk about Paul Revere's horse. What was the name of Paul Revere's horse? (laughs) Well, in your book, you explain that Paul Revere never really named his horse and some other dramatic details. So welcome back, Gail, as we talk about this very interesting piece of colonial history, which is near and dear to my heart. Oh, yes. Well, we are talking on April 18th, and that is the anniversary of 
Paul Revere's ride. Uh, as you know, the poem, Listen, My Children, and You Shall Hear of the Midnight Ride of Paul Revere on the 18th of April in 75. Hardly a man is now alive who remembers that famous day and year. And they're celebrating this today, and they celebrated it yesterday in Boston. Um, yes, Paul Revere was a son of um, uh, liberty. He was a patriot he, for the cause of liberty and independence from England, and he was a spy. He was one of their most important spies and a messenger, and he often rode horses. Uh, well, they all rode horses, but up as far away as Philadelphia, Pennsylvania from Boston. And so um, on uh, around the 17th, 18th of April that year, of 1775, um, the um, major, the main, the head spy, Joseph Warren, sent Paul Revere, who was a businessman in Boston. He was a silversmith, and besides being a famous local spy for the, for the um, cause, and so he was going to send him to Lexington to warn Sam Adams and John Hancock that the, that the British soldiers were on their way to arrest them. And General Gage, who was in charge of the British soldiers in New England at that time, uh, wanted to arrest Hancock and Adams and send them back to England to stand trial as traitors. Well, um, before um, Paul Revere left Boston, he had arranged with a church employee to hang two lanterns up in the the steeple to let the uh, in case he couldn't get out of Boston, he wanted to, to alert the patriots that that the uh, soldiers were coming by boat across the Charles River to Cambridge. So it was about ten o'clock when he left Boston, and somehow he got from his home in the north end of Boston to the edge of the Charles River, and there two friends were waiting in a rowboat, and they rowed him across the river. And Paul Revere really didn't have a horse of his own, at least nobody has, had it, has any record of it. And when he got to the other side, he met up with a um, fellow named John Larkin. And John Larkin had a father, Samuel Larkin, who was a very wealthy man in those days and had a stable and, a, and very fine horses. And so John Larkin borrowed this horse from his father and then, then loaned the horse to Paul Revere. And um, so, so here Paul Revere is see, meeting this horse for the first time. It was about 11 o'clock at night. And you can imagine this horse. It was still cool. It was a moonlit night, but it was a cool night, and this poor horse was in, in the stable, probably munching hay, resting, sleeping, and they grab him out of her out of the, the stable, and Paul Revere gets on her and starts riding off uh, towards Lexington. And he, it was a very good horse because he didn't get very far from, from the, the stable when he ran into two soldiers, two British soldiers, and they tried to catch him. One stopped him in front, and one was coming up from behind. And uh, Paul Revere later wrote that he turned his horse short and galloped away, and they could only follow him for as far as about 300 yards. And so they they head <laughs> on up to Lexington, and they they do he does deliver his message to um, to Hancock and Adams, and there he meets up with William Dawes, who was another 
messenger, another spy, and they ride off. They deliver their message, they rest, they eat a little bit, and then they ride off towards Concord to hide ammunition and provisions hidden there by the Patriots. And so they're, they're heading off that way when they are stopped. They run into a sentry, a British patrol sentry of six soldiers. And, well, William Dawes um, took off, and he fell, he fell off and then got away by foot. And then, then um, uh, poor Paul Revere was left to face the soldiers alone. Uh, William Dawes, as I said, he got away on foot. And then Dr. Samuel Prescott, who was from Concord, he jumped a fence, a low stone wall, and he's the only one who got to Concord. So Paul Revere is alone facing these soldiers. And they, they, the first bunch was fairly polite to him. And he's standing there on his horse facing them. And then Major Mitchell comes up and threatens to kill him if he doesn't tell him the truth. Well, Paul Revere was very... Um, forthright and honest. He said, yes, I'm Paul Revere. I'm an express writer for the Sons of Liberty, and, and I'm on my way to Concord now. And so they, they, ta- they take his reins and, ta- and handcuff him and lead him on. They turn around and go back towards Lexington. And um, at that point, they, they ride for about... 30 minutes and they hear uh, the gunshots from Lexington Green and so Major Mitchell turns around to his sergeant and says is your horse tired the poor horse was tired and was a small horse he said yes he is tired so they get Paul Revere uh, they take have him dismount and they take his horse and um, Paul Revere is on foot and the sergeant mounts up on this pretty little horse and um, they Run, they go back to Lexington, and Paul Revere arrives just in time to hear the uh, shots on Lexington Green. And it's, uh, at one point, um, it, it's funny, people think that, that Paul Revere was riding through the countryside yelling, the British are coming, the British are coming. And that's not what happened at all. Actually, what he says is the regulars are coming out because all those people living in those towns were British themselves, and he didn't really want to be found out and stopped along his way to Lexington by screaming in the darkness. And so he kind of was trotting along, and it, and in the reports, Paul Revere later wrote that the horse was really in good shape when he last saw the horse. And they don't know the horse's name. In those days, people didn't name their horses. Evidently, they were just used as farm implements and as <laughs> tools of their farm. And But in 1930, the Larkin family wrote in some papers that the horse's name was uh, Brown Beauty. It was a mare owned by the family. And um, so that's basically the story of Paul Revere. We don't know anything more about the horse, but you just can't imagine that they w- that the British soldiers would have taken the horse back to England on a ship. They, she probably ended up fighting the the Patriots in another battle later during the war. But Paul Revere's horse, he said that she was a. He set off at at uh, I set off upon a very good horse. It was in about 11 o'clock and very pleasant. And um, so the horse was like a minute man. She was smart and steadfast. (laughs) That was very well told. And all I could picture was a cartoon with the British officers or soldiers looking like buffoons. Yeah. (laughs) 
yeah. I just came across. You know, they're yeah, all just they, wandering around the glassy eyed or something. It's <laughs> yeah, I love to hear these. <laughs> I'd love to hear when the um, when these famous people of history, important people, they're not just famous because they're famous. They they actually did something that was heroic and or honorable. And I love how when we hear about how they actually considered and appreciated their mounts, you know, that they weren't, that these horses weren't just like an automobile. They actually appreciated the heart and the abilities of whichever horse in whichever situation they were put in. I love that. Yes, and he later said that she she was a, that it was it was a very good horse, <laughs> and uh, it's really That's a fine. shame. I, I know, and I wish we knew what had happened to her. But obviously, she was in good shape and and was able to to um, to carry the sergeant on into the into the Battle of Lexington Green, and there she that was the last time anybody ever saw her. But um, anyway, she must have been a really nice horse and uh, valuable because Charles, I mean, um, uh, the senior, Mr. Larkin, was a very wealthy man. He was a chair chair builder, chair maker, and he was also considered at the time when he put down his, um, um, how much he, in his estate, he had $86,000, which was a lot of money back then. So you can assume that she was a really nice horse. And you can't imagine what the John Larkin said to his dad, like, where's my horse? Well, I loaned him out and let her out at 11 o'clock last night, and we never saw her again. <laughs> so, uh, but, um, yeah, the, after, after Lexington Green happened, then the, some of the soldiers had moved on up towards Concord, and then they were surprised by all the Minutemen along the way and ended up dispersing, and they lost over 250 men that day. And that was the beginning of the Revolution, the American Revolution. You know, I, I lived in Massachusetts twice, and as Helena knows, I didn't like it much either time. But the one thing <laughs> I did, the one thing I did like about living there near Boston is the history things we got to do. Uh, there's just so much history, and we and we did take time to do a lot of the historical things up there, and it was just mm-hmm. so cool. It was it was pretty neat that way. Well, so did you go to the was the North Bridge, Old North Bridge? We we did uh, the trail. What's that trail? The Freedom Trail. Freedom Trail. Uh, yep. Yep. We did Freedom that, trail. and then you know got to see all the historical things downtown and the cemeteries and and all of that. It was pretty cool. I mean, it was, and then Plymouth too. I mean, we lived in Plymouth for a while, so that was kind of neat doing all the historical things around Plymouth. And I worked right near Lexington Green for a long time, and um, you definitely. I mean, I would drive past every day. Drive past fields where. Um, thousands of soldiers gave up their lives fighting this these battles around here. I mean, we are surrounded by the Revolutionary War in Massachusetts, everywhere. It's everywhere. You know where? Oh, I, you know one of the towns I liked the most living up there though was Gloucester. I just thought Gloucester was the neatest town because it's on the water there, and uh-huh. I just we just thought Gloucester was neat. Yeah, but yeah. Concord oh. is pretty cool, actually. Yeah. If um, and they have some some really neat walking trails and historical monuments that that have not changed. They really have not changed much since the revolution, the time of the revolution. Massachusetts does a good job of preserving its history, except for one town. That's the exception to that rule, which has become a total tourist trap: is Salem. <laughs> Salem's just... Oh, Salem! <laughs> yes. Oh. Well, and you know the horse must have been in pretty good shape because I think it's from from 
uh, Charlestown to Lexington, it's about 11 miles, and then she was supposed to ride on up towards uh, Concord. Unless, of course, she got shot in Lexington there with with the the initial battle. That we don't know. Wouldn't that be? Yes, that's (laughs) entirely possible. I hadn't thought of that because she—they did. They wrote that. That guy wrote her on down into town, and and um, I'm just kidding. I was just kidding. (laughs) I don't think Paul Revere was too worried about getting her back. He never mentioned her again, which is Mm. is too bad. But also, what's interesting is a lot of the artwork you see of Paul Revere's ride. You know, he's riding just helter skelter down the road really fast, and and the uh, the poor horse is blowing really hard, but. First off, he didn't probably do that very much. He did have, probably have a few little splurts of, of speed. But he was 40 when he, when he did that ride. He, Paul Revere lived to be 83 years old, which was a long time in those days. And so he was an older man, 40 years old, riding on that, that taking that ride. So... Well, very, very cool and well told. Again, you can find, where can people find your book? Gale, G-A-Y-L-E, at 100horsesinhistory.com. 100 Horses in History. It is excellent. You need to get it. The illustrations, everything that she did in there is wonderful. And we'll talk to you again next month, Gail. Oh, thank you so much. I want to tell you, too, the picture in the book came from, of all things, a 1930s calendar. So that was kind of fun to find. But anyway, thank you so much, and I'll talk to you next month. Thanks. Fairfield Inn and Suites North by Marriott Lexington is the ideal hotel for you as they are the closest hotel to the Kentucky Horse Park. They have the most spacious guest rooms and suites in the area, and they're only four miles from downtown Lexington. Fairfield Inn and Suites North offers complimentary breakfast, free Wi-Fi throughout the hotel, free parking, a business center, an indoor swimming pool and jacuzzi, an outdoor patio with grill, laundry facilities, and much more. You get hungry, Cracker Barrel is located right next door, and there are four other dining options available within walking distance for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Of course, Lexington is known for the Kentucky Horse Park, University of Kentucky, Keeneland, and the historical Kentucky Bourbon Trail. Enjoy a terrific hotel experience while you're touring Lexington. There's no denying that the Lexington North Fairfield Inn & Suites is the best value in town and will meet all your hospitality needs. Just Google Fairfield in North Lexington and make your reservations today. Well, now we welcome to the show Jamie Imus Evan of Phoenix Rising Saddles. She did an interesting article that our guest wrangler Denise found. And we have we have a ton of gated listeners in the audience. Well, they're not gated. Their horses are. But well, they might be gated. I'm not sure. But I think it depends how much they drink. But we, we, the first horse I ever rode was a Tennessee walker. So I rode a gated horse. And Helena, down here, you go out on the, there's a, trail riding is huge here in Ocala. And people go out mm-hmm. in large groups. They all meet on Facebook and go out in large groups. And 90% of the horses now we see go out are gated on trail ride trail riders are buying gated horse you don't even hardly see a quarter horse anymore um and that's been a big change over the last 10 or 20 years so gated horses are we're all learning about gated horses those of us that didn't know you wrote an article called 10 tips for finding and keeping the gate and i think number one i think one of the misconceptions is that these horses are born with all of these gates and they're just perfect to begin with 
Yeah, I think that's a common misconception, um, which they are absolutely naturally gated, and there's no reason that you can't bring out the gate using completely natural um, and humane methods. Um, but it does take a, a degree of work on both the riders and horses' part to get them to do it consistently in a nicely rounded and collected frame. Well, and let's let's put out the <laughs> let's put out the disclaimer right now because uh, regular listeners are going to know this. But for new listeners, we we are not advocates of the bad things you hear about in the gated world, specifically the Tennessee walking world. And we we only have guests on that are FOSH approved, that uh, our friends of Sound Horses approved, and as I understand it, you are as well. So, um, yeah, you know, we so let's just get that out of the way. We're talking about the average people with gated horses here um so now i assume like starting any other horse the gated horses you really have to start with the basics it's still groundwork and it's still line driving or however you choose to do that it's still teaching them how to stop and go and steer and and all of that yes absolutely in fact we don't even recommend beginning um, gate work until they've had a full season or two of riding under their belt. Just get them used to having a rider mounted and, and being balanced under a rider and just kind of learning the ropes of the trail. Um, and then they'll be ready after a season or two of that to, to really start working that walk and, and doing some things to help um, bring out their natural gait. Well, that's a good question because we've all heard about the unnatural things that we're all trying to outlaw, right? What are the natural things you can do to bring out a gate? What's the opposite of that? (laughs) It's really simple, actually. It's um, getting them comfortable. That's a really big thing um, because gated horses have um, require a greater degree of flexibility um, through their loins and backs and shoulders and necks. Um, than an odd-gated horse. So they have to have the freedom to allow their muscles to move freely. Um, And then it's really just about, like I said, working that walk because the walk is what we call the mother of all gates. So basically any four-beat gate, whether it's the run walk, the foxtrot, the um, rack, they're all just simply extensions of the walk. So um, getting them to to work out of a good frame and with good impulsion um, is is key to bringing out the gate. And then all of a sudden you're going to find your heart just naturally slipping into it. And it's fun. <laughs> do they do they show any signs of their gait when they're babies? Yeah. Actually, um, oftentimes when they're very first born and when you, when they're first getting up and you start seeing them kind of run around the paddock, um, it's usually very indicative of their gait, um, at least as far as being able to tell if they're going to be laterally oriented, like um, a horse that tends to pace, or if they're going to be more diagonally oriented um, if you see them out there trotting. So, um, And then you can see them kind of lose it and either revert to the straight pace or trot, but then um, once you get them under saddle and working good, you'll see it come out again. Hmm. How do you teach them from the beginning like that? Just like any other horse, I guess, walk, trot, canter. How do you teach them to the smooth transitions between the gates? How how does that happen? 
Um, that requires you to build up their muscle and their logical memory. Um, and what they do, what you do is you just really work them, um, like hills, doing hill work is a great tool. You want them working off of their hind end with good impulsion. Um, and then what you do is you just eventually ask them for more speed. And until we don't ask for gait quite um, immediately, what you do is um, you bring them to what we call their, their breaking point. It's right when they're going fast enough where you start that they're going to slip into a trot or pace, and then you check them back. And then you find the more you do that, the more that you can um, work them and all of a sudden, they'll just start flipping into it. They go past that breaking point, and you get a nice four-beat gate out of them. Now, wow. the, the um, I, I was I was just reading some of these others. Obviously, some of them are pretty basic. Make sure the saddle fits, and uh, you know, make sure you have the right bit in. Uh, well, speaking of which, what what bits do gated people use that are you know different than somebody that's riding a non-gated, or are they the same? What we say is a good bit is a good bit, period. Okay. Um, most of the bits that are on the market that are designed for gated horses work off of pain avoidance. So it's trying to get them to do something like over-collect and over-tuck their head or, um, you know, to get into that really flashy um, ventral flexed frame. And um, it's really an artificial device. So you just want a well-balanced bit that um, is comfortable for your horse and that they can collect comfortably into. Um, so, I mean, we have our bit <laughs> that we absolutely love. Um, it's the second generation IMS Comfort Gate bit, but there are certainly other good bits on the market too. Um, we have a really good video on our website that um, explains how different types of bits work that people might find helpful. I had and a- saddles are make. I mean, obviously, you, you the goal of any rider is to get out of their horse's way. So there's like there's a lot going on. We want to help our horses develop their muscles by guiding their body movements in a way that's conducive to healthy muscle development. At the same time, we want to stay out of the way of our horse's body as they do these things. So. You know, bit as a form of communication is really important for that. But so is saddle. So. How do saddles help or hinder a horse's natural gait development? Um, they can they can have a very strong impact on both the way they move and also their behaviors. Um, because horses have such a strong fight or flight instinct, if they feel pain, um, they can oftentimes get reactive or tend to rush or bolt or spook. Um, so it's important that you have a saddle that allows them to move. So gated horses, like I said earlier, their muscles move differently, and they do really require a flexibility through the saddle to be able to um, allow those muscles to sort of ripple forward. Um, it's kind of like a wave-like motion from the back to front. Um, so if you have a horse that isn't able to do that, what we see is they tend to stiffen up against it and sort of round out their back. So they're moving in a ventraflex frame. So it's kind of the equivalent of us arching our back. And then what that can do 
it's caused them to move in such a way where it can really um, lead to long-term soundness issues. We can, we see hip and uh, stifle issues and back problems, things like that. So it's really important that they're able to move comfortably in a rounded frame. Now we, I had a driving pony, my first driving pony actually, who taught me how to drive, uh, was a pacer. So one of the problems, and I know this is true with gated too, one of the problems is, uh, you know, when we were driving, we did not want that pony breaking into a canter, but yet it's it's almost easier for them to canter than to pace fast, and I assume that's true of the other gated, uh, other gates as well. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah, and we used to practice, the first thing you talked about was as soon as I knew that she was about to canter and you could kind of, you know, after I figured her out, then I'd bring her back a little, I'd half-check her a little bit so that she wouldn't have a chance to go into that canter. Is it a problem with the gate? gate all horses canter, which, by the way, I was shocked the first time I saw a Pasifino canter. <laughs> because I didn't know they could do it. <laughs> so. Yeah. You know, yeah, that's kind of, it kind of depends. There are, if you have a horse um, that tends to cross fire, it's probably a good idea to stay away from that because um, they can trip themselves up. But for the most part, especially with the horses that tend to pace, it's a great exercise because it makes them... Um, move on a more lateral motion. So you try to get them to do what the opposite of what they're more naturally inclined to do. And what it does is their body kind of meets in the middle and evens it out. Um, if you have a horse that is gated, but tends to be very trotty, you can absolutely canter them. It's not a safety issue. You just need to make sure that they're really um, set in their gait. So they don't want, they don't get tempted to get lazy and break into cancer, which can happen. <laughs> yeah. It, especially going uphill, you know, they, you know, especially the driving, yeah. the driving horses that are gated will, will try and, you know, will try and do that going uphill too. <clears throat> and the problem is it gets very uncomfortable when you're driving. <laughs> so especially if you're driving in a two wheel yeah. cart, cause the thing bounces all over the place. Uh, so that, oh, I bet. <laughs> yeah. so that was a problem. One other thing before we let you go, and people can go to phoenixrisingsaddles.com to find the the entire 10 tips. We just wanted to touch on a few here today. But you you do saddles. Are these saddles specifically made for gated horses then? Yes. They were developed by my mom, Brenda Imus, who is the one who wrote the article. And um, we have a library of articles and videos of free gate training information on our website as well. How are the saddles different for a gated horse oh. than they are for a, a non-gated? Yes. Ours um, was designed by Brenda. Um, after she began performing clinics and going to expos, and they were spending half their time just trying to get the horses comfortable so then they could look to gate training. And she saw in many traditional saddles and even some that were already on the market, gated saddles, that had fundamental flaws in them. Um, so she designed the saddle to have a unique placement. So the rider sits more forward and more of like a bareback riding position. Oh, um, that makes a huge difference. Yeah. Yep. And the angles of the bars of the tree are designed to do that. So the front edges of the bars of the tree actually cup around the shoulder. So there's very little to no contact there. And that's the common area that we see pressure points. 
And it also gets it off their loins, which is another common area that we see pressure points in saddles. Um, and then we use a really wonderful padding called Supercore under the bars of the tree. Um, and we use a flexible tree too as well. So um, we have a whole video on our website too with, uh, that explains it all too, which is really interesting. And that website is phoenixrisingsaddles.com. That's where you can find all the information. There is a lot of good articles there as well. Thank you, Jamie, for joining us. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. All right. We'll talk to you soon. And now it's time for our horselovers.com product review of the week. Our lovely auditors get to review the products. We get them assigned out, and they pick a product they want to review, and we send it off to them, and they get to check it out and then report in here at the Stable Scoop Show on how the product did. Problem is, we sent Claire, lovely Claire, who visited with us and we got to spend some time with, Horse Lovers Center, the Horsewear H2O jacket. It's a raincoat. And Claire, since you've got it, has it rained? No. <laughs> not, not enough to test it. We had a little teeny bit, but I didn't feel that was a proper scientific um, evaluation of the waterproofness of this jacket. But Claire, being the dedicated auditor that she is, and her husband being the dutiful husband he is, decided to give it a full test. Tell us what you did. Well, I, I let him spray me down with the hose, and he was very <laughs> polite about it. I would have, um, so I would have, some, some I would have blasted you, Claire. I would have blasted you. You know, <laughs> you totally would have blasted yeah, you, Claire. I would've, I would've, just to, for the sake of testing, you know. Exactly. I, I know, I know him, and I'm shocked he didn't blast you. You, you had to have threatened him with something. I just asked him nicely. He's just a really good guy. Okay. All right. He yeah. will not believe you. Claire. I'm not he believing just, that for a he's minute. Gonna be like, he's <laughs> He'll say okay, but he won't believe you. I won't believe it for a minute. Well, how did the uh, Horsewear H2O jacket do when you got hosed down? Excellent. It uh, it is very effective. Is it ah, is it heavier? I'm listening. Is it, I'm listening. Is it heavier? Is it lighter? What's it like? It's really lightweight. And it's made out of um, like two different types of fabrics. So the hood and then over the shoulders, uh, which is the, for anyone who saw the video, it's the, the silvery part. It's a little bit more plasticky feeling like you would kind of expect. The black portion feels um, a little bit more like traditional fabric, so it's soft. And uh, it's, it's really nice. Um, one of the things that I like about it is I'm kind of small. And a lot of raincoats, the hood is really large and falls down in front of my face. Uh, this one has several adjustments where you can kind of tighten it, and it has sort of like a brim built in. So instead of the water, you know, running off the top of the hood and down your face, it kind of flows away. I like that. So that happens to me a lot with the, the hood, the front of the hood right over your forehead gets heavy with water, yeah. and then it just drips down your nose. Yep. And, you know, I didn't think to test this, but I think it threw me enough where you could even fit a helmet under it if you wanted to ride in it. Um, but the way it's designed, it doesn't just fall down over your face if you don't have, you know, a large head or, or something on underneath. So so uh, this also, I'm, I'm looking at the picture of it. 
Um, it does kind of look like your the hood is separate from the jacket because it comes down over the shoulders like that. So it, it kind of looks like it's almost a separate piece. Did you find that? Um, would it be warm, or is this just meant for rain? It is pretty lightweight. It's okay. uh, just meant for rain. Um, it's you could wear a layer under it, and it would probably help with wind if it was a windy day. But it's not insulated at all. And it's horse well, wear. Yeah. It's good for those summer, you know, when you're out in the barn and, and, uh, or traipsing around and it, those summer and spring rain so- storms that come and you're like, yeah. oh, I got to go out and feed the horses. <laughs> and It's coming down in buckets and, yeah. you know. I know you haven't had it for six months, but it is a horse wear product. So I'm assuming it's well made. It, uh, from what I can tell, yes, it, it appears to be very well made. Um, the, it looks, you know, it doesn't feel flimsy. It's lightweight, but it feels very sturdy. Oh, and um, good. one thing that'll be nice to try it out in the saddle is it's got the double zipper. So if I have it zipped up, I can pull the bottom zipper up to kind of, you know, free up room if I wanted to sit in the saddle. Uh, so not pulling against one's hip. Yep. Okay, cool. Very good. Well, you can find Love that. It. It's a Horsewear H2O jacket. You can find it at horselovers.com. We'll put a link at stablescoop.com for this episode as well. But before we go, Helena was stalking you and discovered something. Uh-oh. I did. You have a horse who looks like my horse. Yes, so, right? Do you, you have an, an Appaloosa? I do. And tell us about your Appy. His name is Chance, and uh, most of the time he just kind of sits in the pasture. <laughs> I have a friend who rides him um, every so often, but he's, he's a good boy, and he's very handsome. Yes. Now, does he like to roll in the mud? You know, he stays pretty clean. Oh, that's not what I wanted to hear, Claire. <laughs> I wanted to hear I that you were tortured by him. <laughs> no, he. I, I'm actually pretty amazed. He he stays pretty clean. He's, he doesn't... Uh, appear to enjoy filth. Well, you know, it's funny because a lot of people say, oh, your horse is, is sort of spotted or speckled or has this interesting coat. So you can kind of, they can kind of get away with dried mud, right? The mud dries and it sort of blends into their mm-hmm. coat. And I'm like, no, that it really doesn't work like that <laughs> because they have enough white on them where they show stains just as, you know, a super light gray would. So I was kind of hoping that maybe, you know, misery loves company. You'd have a hard time with spring mud. But you have a good boy. I ha- I just have I a pig's eye. Oh, and the mud here is kind of red, so it kind of it blends in a little bit more than if he were, um, you know, like a, a bay or a gray appy. Right. So you're gonna rub it in, in some more. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yes, apparently. So you really can get away with that. I'm just gonna keep my mouth shut. You know, what? I'm gonna talk about boats. I want to go talk about boats on that other show. Claire, <laughs> tell it. He's adorable. He, he, he is. <clears throat> Claire, before we let you go, tell us real quick, you are an auditor. What do you like best about being an auditor for the Horse Radio Network? Oh, my goodness. Um, it, I, I, first of all, I feel like I'm getting a deal because I get to listen to all of the podcasts. Or I mean, obviously, anyone can listen for free, but it makes me feel like, hey, I'm doing something, and it's super cheap. Um. And I like the auditor room on Facebook. It keeps me busy when I am bored. And it's always so positive. You can post questions in there that maybe in another Facebook group you would get all kinds of crazy answers. And you get pretty reasonable answers in the auditor's group. 
Yeah, it's, oh. a, it's a safe place. Everybody considers it their safe place. Uh, yes. Yeah. And yes. it, yeah, that is kind of cool. Plus, you get to review cool stuff. So there, that too. Yes, yes, that is awesome. <laughs> I tell all my friends. Well, good. <laughs> we're, we're, we appreciate that, Claire. And it's good to have you do this. Thank you so much for joining us. Horselovers.com. Look for the Horsewear H2O jacket. Well, you're heading out to a function right after this show, right? Yes, sir. Um, If you don't know, my day job is as a marketing specialist. My company is called Sparkle and Boom. And we're going to our local, well, local, it's a pretty big one. The Newport County Chamber of Commerce is putting on a huge business expo at one of the resorts right on the water. So it's going to be quite large and we're going to be exhibitors there today. Oh, cool. Well, that'll be fun. (laughs) Yep. It's my first big one. This is the first time I've ever had to or had the time to go out and promote my business proactively. Most of my work has come through word of mouth or referrals and and things like that. So we're looking to grow and this is the first step in doing that. Did you get banners made and the whole thing? Yep. I got banners and I got signs and I got sparkly confetti and pinwheels and glow balls. Yeah. balls. (laughs) Yeah. I want to see the glow. I want to see, you're definitely going to have to post a picture on Stable Scoop of your setup. I will. I will. Honestly, the glow balls are more for me. I'm like, I'm going to be sitting there <laughs> bored, so I might as well bounce a sparkly ball or something. Now, are you going to bring your microphones and record some interviews? You know what? I This is one of those life lessons that I learned from Coach Jen that I take with me. I learned it out fox hunting, and I take this with me everywhere I go. I will bring my mics and my mixer because it's better to have it and not need it than need it and not have it. Oh, I think you're going to find lots of cool people to interview. I yeah. really do. I think, you know, yeah. that's going to be neat. So I'll, I'll bring that and see what happens. Very good. I have a huge suitcase full of stuff. When we, it's like, well, you, I, you know, the, the rolling suitcases? Because yep. I was packing like plastic bags and everything. And I was like, screw it. Why don't I just put one of our rolly suitcases on, you know, put all my stuff in a rolly suitcase. Then I don't have to, I'm little. <laughs> my, you know, my smell would make the wheels work for me. When we go, so now I'm very excited that well, I discovered that. When we go away, we have the big hard case, the big yeah. suitcase, but it's hard-sided, so the yeah. stuff doesn't get squished. And just equipment alone is 45 pounds. Wow. <laughs> it adds up. You know what takes up a lot of weight is if you bring flyers along. Paper stuff ta- is heavy. Yeah. It takes up a lot of weight. All the, yeah. all the paper flyers and all that stuff takes up. But you have to. You got to come with takeaways. You got to come with handouts. (laughs) Although our handouts have gotten smaller, we found that uh, postcard size people are more apt to take than brochures, even. So we and not lose. Even they're even better than business cards. I do. I'm. I think I'm bringing like maybe you know a dozen business cards or something. But I'm bringing a huge stack of postcards. Hey, are we allowed to mention the listener that you met up with? You 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 got together with. Absolutely. Yes, yes, yes. This past weekend, we got to meet Leslie Covington and her husband at, at, well, they were, he was in town for a conference in Providence, and they decided to stay in Newport, and we met up for dinner. We had some drinks, and we had such so much fun at the bar, we decided to to go on for dinner. They were great fun. They're from Texas. Oh, cool. Yeah. So yeah. that's how, and she's been listening. If I that name rings a bell, so she's been listening for a long time. I think. Oh yeah, we were able to rehash some things from long ago. Yeah, I thought that that name rang a bell. Yeah, yeah. she is just great, and she rides dressage. And we were talking. Oh, it was just so much fun. We were talking. Yeah, about she saddles. listens to the dressage <laughs> show too, if I remember right. Yep. yep. Yes, she's a big fan. So it was really, really nice to 
to meet a listener. I haven't had a chance to meet listeners. You, um, you also got to experience what it's like when you get together with fans that have been fans for a long time. And we've had this happen so many times, and it freaks us out every time. And they start, and you, you go to tell a story or talk about it, they've already heard it. Yeah, I know. And then you, you, and then they start, and then they, you realize that they know everything about you. <laughs> and it's freaky because, you know, we just talk every week, but we're talking about our lives and, and we forget that people are listening. So, know. you know, then you get together with somebody who truly knows everything about you. <laughs> it's kind of freaky. Yeah. 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 Well, I, Leslie wasn't that immersed in my story, at least that I know of, but we were able, it was nice because you feel like you're meeting a stranger, but not really because you have a lot of these stories in common. And, you know, she knows other things we talked about on HRN. She knows the cast of characters. So it was really, it wasn't like a first date at all. It was like meeting a long lost cousin or something. I loved it. Yeah, that very cool. Well, we're going to be doing a lot of that at Rolex, so we hope to see everybody there next week. Uh, for those that are attending, so far the weather forecast looks good, but it is Lexington, so that'll change. And uh, bring everything. Bring your boots. Bring your water boots. Bring your country boots. Bring your raincoats. Bring your coat coats. And bring your tornado ducking gear. All of that you'll need when you attend Rolex next week. Way to sell Kentucky. <laughs> I lived there for a lot of years. That's what I. Yeah. Yeah. We have. We were kicked out the one year in cross country day because of tornadoes. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, that. Yeah, they evacuated the park. So, yeah, yeah. anything can happen happen in Kentucky. Well, that's it, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us. Don't forget, you can get our app. It's the easiest and simplest way to listen to all of the 13 shows on the Horse Radio Network. Soon to be 15, by the way. Um, It's free and super easy to use. And, you know, we really love your feedback. We'd like to hear from you. So drop us a note. Send it to Helena at horseradionetwork.com. Send it to me, and I'll get lost. Uh, Helena (laughs) might actually get it. Uh, And uh, that's it. And Helena can be found at thatnewportshow.com. Yes, and if you like boats, you can visit aroundthebuoy.com. If you like romance, go to thatnewportshow.com. You need relationship advice. If you like boats, go to aroundthebuoy.com. And if you need marketing help, go to sparklingboom.com. I'm like the dot-com diva. You are. (laughs) All right, thanks, everybody. That's it for this week. We'll be back next week. Until then, happy scooping. Thank mm-hmm. you.